you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, producer, writer, narrative comedian, six-time Moth Story winner, and New York Grand Slam champion, Kevin McGeehan. Kevin was joining us, uh, this is his second week in a row. He originally is from Florida, but he's joining us today in Los Angeles. And last week, we were discussing all the ins and outs of his amazing jobs and comedy career and sort of the simultaneous overlap. So if you listen, or because you listened last week, you noticed that we didn't really get to all of our questions, uh, the standards that you all love so dearly. So we're going to get back to those questions now. But last week where we left off, Kevin was telling us how he had just replaced the um, name you'll, you won't remember or recognize at all. You'll have to look him up. His name's Jason Sudeikis. He had just replaced Jason Sudeikis in the touring company of the Second City Chicago, which, Kevin, could you brief our audience on what touring company means and then get us back up to speed with where you were with customer service at that point? Sure. The famous Second City in Chicago <laughs> has three touring companies, Red, Blue, and Green. And there are two resident companies, the main stage and the ETC. Each of those is an ascension in and of itself, but the touring companies are all distributed around the country, and you do a best-of Second City show along with some uh, original material as well as some improv. It is one of the coolest jobs in the world. <laughs> However, it is definitely a finite job because you ain't making a ton with it, but it is one of the best experiences uh, I have ever had in my life. Uh, so yeah, that's Second City in Chicago and the touring companies. And so where you we left off last week, so you were put on a uh, sort of teaser list of 20 people who weren't necessarily hired, but they, the, the they theater... Pledged they hire. pledged to hire you. And so did you know that you would eventually be put on to Torco or was it just like, hey, we think you're great. It's possible you might get a job. We're not sure. I'll say this. <laughs> I made a deal with myself that it, if I was 30 years old and they still hadn't hired me... You were out. I was out. Okay. So between the ages of 28 and end of 29. <laughs> and I got hired right at that point. So oh, that's the universe. Okay. Yeah. So you, did you know you'd be replacing Jason or did he just happen to leave the happen Torco leave. at the time? Happen okay. It was all, yeah. Okay. So, and then what did Torco look like for you? You're still working at the brewery at this nope. point? No. Once I was hired officially, then I quit Rock Bottom Brewery. Wow. You were lucky. So you, how were you able to financially make it happen? Uh, I was poor, and the cost of living was different then. Oh, okay. And you were just hungry for a while? Okay. I was hungry for a while, and just, yeah, because I was also working the second city. I also worked the box office, and I taught. Oh, so you kept those jobs. I could do both. That They, they would give me shifts, at least at first, oh. but then, like, I was an understudy for a while, so I was doing all these jobs at once, but then once I became actually on Torco, I was able to sustain it with just, yeah, doing Torco and teaching. Oh. Yeah, I, it was a lot. It was a kind of a, a slow moving tankership to So get there. getting you into teaching though, like was it a guarantee that once you had graduated the program you could then teach? Like how is Once I was, was hired. Once you're hired Oh in Torco. Yeah. Oh then yeah, okay, okay, now okay. you're eligible to be a teacher. Okay. Because now you're professionally doing it. Okay, okay. And they're gonna consider you. Okay, so you were able so now the like restaurant history of your customer service is over at that point. Over. Okay, and I'm sure you were sad about that. Well, did you did Lance stay at the job? Not Lance, sorry. You were working it with Matt 
at at the Rock Brewery. Rock yes, uh, he left to move to Los Angeles. Oh, bless him. Okay. Yeah, and he he's been here twenty years. Oh, okay. So he was he left prior to you leaving, or you oh, guys much much. Oh, earlier. really? Yeah. Uh, I don't think he was there while I was on touring company. Oh, wow. Okay. I think he left right before it. Oh, so there was incentive to not stay at the job you loved because you were the people that you liked there were starting to leave anyway. Yeah. And plus, I was getting the thing that I wanted. Yeah. So why stay? Why? There's, yeah. Okay. So you said eight customer service jobs total, but you had forgotten about you forgotten about one of them, the I box office. I didn't forget about it. I just oh. didn't. Did you count it? Yes. Okay, so that That's was one seven. of the eight. Okay, so what's number eight? Now, you said this on Ithamar's podcast where you said you consider teaching. I do. Okay. Without question. I am going to put a fine point on your statement by saying I don't necessarily agree that all teaching falls in it but I agree that some does. So for me personally, in the adult classes I teach where people are purposely choosing to take a class with me, then I don't see it as such because they're coming in and they have, they've paid for it and like it's not as difficult. Mm, that's good to know. However, <laughs> here's another way I made money. For two summers in a row, I taught kids summer camps at oh, Second City. no. No, Kevin. No, Kevin. So... Oh. This is the only job I've ever been fired from. <laughs> oh my God, why? <laughs> All right. The specific reason was failure to produce required results. Shit. So that's a big sentence. It is. It was a big day, and I got fired because it was a. It was a. <laughs> it, was a, a rough. it was a tough one, but okay. it was at the same time like we have to do this. So what had happened was this. Everyone in the summer camps was two weeks long, five days a week for two weeks, 10 days total. On the last day, they do a show. And the age groups that they split them up at the time were real weird because the group that I was given consistently was 11 to 13. Oh, that's a fucking nightmare grouping. And 11-year-old boys are quite different than 13-year-old girls. Oh, bless. It went exactly the way that every one of these went. It was such a Groundhog Day experience in that I taught these consistently for years. Uh, for the two years, but there were uh, maybe four per summer. So of the eight that I did, it went the exact same way every time. Day one, I walk in. I'm Amy Poehler from Mean Girls. Hey, guys, I'm not your regular teacher. I'm a <laughs> I'm cool a teacher. Cool teacher. <laughs> and I'm going to let you guys do stuff. If you're going to curse, I just do it. I prefer you do it in the room. Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> you're trying to be a buddy. Trying to be a buddy. <laughs> and then by Wednesday, every time I would blow up. You all took advantage of me. I tried to be cool every time. It happened the exact same way. <laughs> by Wednesday. <laughs> So in this particular time, in my last one there, there was an 11-year-old boy named Kevin, coincidentally enough, who was on a lot of medication normally in the school year when his parents were his guardians, but this summer his grandmother was the guardian, and she did not like the amount of medication her grandson was getting, so she took him off his medication and sent him to the second city to spend all day to learning detox comedy. detox and I learn comedy? Oh, my God. So this kid named Kevin was now... He was kind of out of his gourd in the sense that here's the example that kind of shows it. One day, early on in it, he found this real heavy book and he started, he would throw it in the air and then run underneath it so it would hit him in the head. I told him to stop. He said he would and then did it again. And then a very mature 13 year old girl looked at me and goes, I'm sorry you have to deal with this. <laughs> 
So my job with them for two weeks was to help them write a show. They had to write a show together. In two weeks? Yeah, but easy. Like, this is a kid show where it's just parents seeing it. So the stakes are not Not high. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's just like, do a news bit. Do Uh, a bit. Like, it's real simple stuff. Yeah. However, Kevin made it unmanageable. Where I couldn't do, I couldn't get them to concentrate. It was just this... Like one time he pulled a brick out of the wall. Like it was like, oh my god, like, Kevin! It was like it was, it was, and no one was really on my side. What were you going to management and being like, "Yo, yes. I've got this kid," and like, like, well, we talked with grandma. Like it was like it was one of those things. What was like just it's just two weeks. Just deal with it. Jeez. And I could be misremembering it, but I just remember having the. I, doubt it. I felt a little alone. I'm sure. Which led me to my next choice. On Thursday, after my Wednesday blow up, they saw the touring company. So one of the touring companies, every one of these summer camps, would come up and do a midday show, like a little truncated best of show. And these kids fell in love with what they saw, specifically scenes in particular that they saw. So then as I was just, I can't do this. And then they were so excited about that. And then I had the idea do you guys want to do a best of Second City show? Kevin, you an insane person. And they went crazy Of course excited. they did. So I said, okay, let's do it. So we pulled the scenes that they saw in that show. Kevin! I went and pulled them, and then I rehearsed with them, and it was the only way I could get them to actually work together for this. And there is a scene called Pictionary. And Pictionary is a very famous Second City scene. I've seen it, yeah. Awesome. That is done so many times. And it's amazing. It's a Steve Carell scene, and it's just unbeatable. It is funny every time. It's the simplest premise of two husbands, two wives, and they play Pictionary together. And it is just exquisite. Yeah, that's the word. So Kevin is playing Steve Carell in this Kevin pulling bricks out the wall, throwing a book on his head, not medicated Kevin. Is playing Steve Carell in this particular scene, and it is hysterical to watch this kid really try, and he really worked at it. That was the reason I felt okay with this, is that they were sincerely enjoying this, and each of the kids got a moment to shine in it, like they because I knew these scenes so well, because I was touring, so I knew all of them, so I made sure that they looked good in the show and it was so he wasn't being poked fun at he truly was in earnest doing a good job he was truly in earnest doing a good job but it's still funny because the scene's funny and it's funny to watch him earnestly doing it but not laughing at At him yeah but just the that's hysterical this kid is it's it's not quite william hung (laughs) but that i mean he definitely had a she bangs type feel to him (laughs) So I invited all of the producers, all of the- Now, this is in the classroom. It's still, so so it's not on its feet yet. No, this is, uh, so at the the, the last day- This is a show. So the last day, I finally do this. No, I, like, no one can know that we're not doing the thing we're supposed to be doing. Oh, so you didn't get it approved by the office to do Best Of? No. Oh, Kevin! That's why I said I felt alone. Like, they weren't, (laughs) they weren't helping me, and I had to do this, and I was with them- Four and a half hours a day. And it was just, I I got to do something. <laughs> Poor Kevin. So on f- the Friday final show, I invite the building to come to the ETC theater to watch this thing. If you want to see 11 and 12-year-olds do Pictionary and all these, I listed all these other scenes, 
then I recommend you come to the ETC at one o'clock. I'm sure everybody showed up. They did. <laughs> and it was met with, it was funny and it was really good. And the kids were actually good. Yes. Okay. And they got a good, they had a really great experience. All of them were sincerely happy with the way the experience went. However, for the parents that paid for a specific type of experience that wasn't what they got, there was a little bit of upsetness. Not a but word. But why? Is it because they were covering political topics? Like best of scenes are, they're usually pretty, not vanilla, but like they're not going hard into politics because they're touring all over no, the country. It's not even that, but it was simply just, my, let's say myself and my wife have this, like, well, we're going to sign our kid up for a writing class where they're going to write their own thing. Uh, that's that's going to be good for this kid. And then they see uh, a scripted show of that. Shit that's wh- already been written. What is this? Okay, okay. I did not sign my kid up for that. It's fun. But I didn't sign up for this. So then because of that, it had to fall on someone's shoulders that were mine. (sighs) They had to keep their foot on your neck because it's like they got to blame somebody. But I was okay with that because it got me through it. And it meant I never had to do that again. (laughs) However, here is the fun ending to this story. It was a little embarrassing. Like I said, it was the first job I've ever been fired from, but I've never been like I had never experienced that before. So it's weird to be fired even when it's being nicely done to you. Wait, but before you end the story, what I need to understand is does this mean just fired from summer camp or does yeah, this mean fired from Torco? Okay. So they were able to at least have a distinguishing uh, oh, yeah. piece of yeah. you're hired for summer camp, but also you're still doing box office, still do- okay. And I okay. still had my other teaching jobs at night. Like it didn't affect anything. It was affected. You can't do summer camps because it's, and from everything we've seen, you obviously hate it. Okay. So we're not going to force you to stay. We're just going to say like, this didn't work out. Okay. Sorry. So you go, so you do the performance and you're like, we crushed it. And the parents are like, no, you didn't. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm kind of giving a real truncated version of all the things that happened next. But that's, that's essentially what happened is that it was a, uh, excuse me, second city. Hi, we, we're not happy. We're not happy. Okay, so now, so you do the performance, now now what? Now what are the, what's the fallout? So I get my fallout, I deal with that, I deal with being fired. And Wait, you gotta tell us how you got fired. They the pull you of, into the office? The head of the department sat me down <laughs> in the office and told me, uh, uh, how was it phrased? Oh yeah, uh, failure to produce required results. Okay. So that was how it, it was just happened in an office. But once again, it was, it didn't affect anything else of my jobs. Got it, okay. okay. It was just this particular one made it that, you don't like it and you're not mm. you're not thriving in this job. That was 2004. 2010. I am in Los Angeles and I am standing in front of an Italian restaurant. Standing over to the side and the sidewalk is a man with his hat pulled low looking at his phone that I realize is Steve Carell. So at that point, I really wanted to meet Steve Carell, but I also had the, I don't want to be the douche on the street, but then I had the, well, we're some, from the same quote-unquote fraternity. So I walked up to Steve Carell, and I utilized something that was bad at the time, but was good now, and said, number one, I've played you over 95 times in the scene Pictionary, to he knows exactly who I am, like all that. So then we start talking, and then I say, here's a fun story. And then I tell him all about Kevin and Pictionary, and how I got the kids to do that show because I couldn't get them to write and that I ended up being fired from it. So that became this fun conversation that I had with Steve Carell. So all of that was worth it so many years later. 
A thousand percent. And this is the second time you making a strategic move with someone you would have like you looked up to and wanted to meet absolutely worked in your favor. Blamo. So you weren't just like the guy that was like, could I get a selfie with you? Right. Help. I had an actual reason to walk up to him. Yeah. That's something I knew he'd be interested to talk about. He also has said that the Second City paved the way for so many things for him that like, because oh, yeah. all of us could go up to him and be like, oh my God, it's Michael Scott. But hard, like you are the only one who could, who has the child playing him in Pictionary Story. Like, and that's an anecdote that you, if you were still an actor, you would have wanted someone oh, yeah. to come up and, to you. Uh, even now, just as a uh, teacher and performer just the stories and all that stuff like the stuff people tell me of yeah. that like yeah it's a nice full circle but it, it feels so good on either end okay so you got fired from that so what but you keep going so your last customer service job what was number eight then that was the that's summer camp summer camp teaching so that's the thing so i consider that customer service customer service now is why is it literally just because because it sounds like your association with customer service is like heavy lifting, it's not easy, I'm not loving it. Because you said teaching adults who have paid to be there that you're like, yeah, we're sort of, this is more enjoyable. I think because I run the room and I'm in charge of it. It's what takes it out of the customer service because I'm not having to bend over <laughs> back, uh, I'll finish this up, backwards. I'm not, having to, uh, I'm not having to be so accommodating mm. to someone I can be, I can put my foot down if I need to. So is that how you would define, like, how would you define customer service then? It's that. It's where you're serving not only the customer, you're also serving a, a another master where you're, it's like, I can't do anything at rock bottom because it's going to reflect on rock bottom. But but if you were to have, like, having taken your, like, Sunday classes, if you, because there were some scenes that I saw happen there that you could have been like, that was hot shit. I was in some horse shit scenes and I was part of them and the, where you could have been like, all right, like they do at Groundlings, that that was shit or whatever, do it again. But you were always very, like, loving and careful and gentle with how you gave notes. Was it because that's who you are? Or was it because you were like, look, if everybody stops coming to this class, I no longer have people coming to my class. You see what I mean? Because like, I agree I with you. you. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say this. One, that's just who I am. Because okay. I also know that improv scenes, you're going to do thousands of them before you really get good at them. And there's going to be something good in every one of them. It's easy to knock something down. It's not as easy to find something good within it. I agree with that. And build upon that. So that I've kind of prided myself on, I'm going to find something to help you grow as opposed to stunting you with mm -hmm. an admonishment of a choice that you made in a split second. That being said, if you want to dig deeper, there's also a part of my personality that at one point in my life really needed to be liked by everyone mm -hmm. all the time. Relatable. Yeah. So, I mean, that was part of it too. That, yeah. I mean, that was, it was part of the stew that was my giving notes, but I, yeah. But I mean, but truly though, wouldn't you still consider, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to convince you one way or the other, but wouldn't you see that like, if, so if you gave a bunch of notes that were like, horseshit, this is all garbage, whatever, and people just stopped coming to your class, isn't that technically falling under the purview of customer service based on how you've defined it? Because we become the sort of master in that experience of, you know, oh, we have now decided we're no longer going to give you our money. Do you see what fair. I'm saying? Oh, okay. totally fair point. That's a strong point. I think I just can't help but look at it through my lens that if I'm saying that shit, that shit, that shit, that's a terrible scene, then there's something wrong with me. Something, <laughs> You're too self-aware. Something's going on in my life that I really need to deal with. Like it's 
It's bleeding Fine, into my work. Kevin. Yeah. All right, you're evolved. Whatever. Whatever. I don't like people that have gotten involvement in their life. Least favorite. Oh, no, sorry. Did you finish telling me all the... Tell me, is, is that everything for customer service jobs you've done? Because I'll move on to the next yeah, question. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so you told us your favorite. What's your least favorite? Uh, that was the golf cart attendant where I almost was hit by a golf ball. How long did you actually... You said two years of working there? Was I that what you said? I think that's what it is. Two I think I, I'm kind of... It's so long ago now that just, I'm just kind of... I'm still... I'm like... I am I know we're making jokes about it, but like you literally could have died. Oh, of course. That's... Yeah. I, w- I hope that that guy... And it would have been one of those deaths that people might have snickered. Yeah, or thought that it happened accidentally. They, w- they wouldn't know that he Ruth... What'd you come... Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth pointed it, yeah. at you and fucking... I, I'm hot about that. What an asshole. Uh, what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock? Any of the jobs. This was a question I had trouble answering because I was trying to figure out the definition of weird. Up to you. Yeah, yeah. That's And I had I didn't write anything down for it. Okay. So I feel like the Italian restaurant or even bagging groceries, did you ever see anything weird go into bags that you were like, I'm just going to ignore this? No, I would say this. I think I can go into the TGI Friday story with this. Okay. Because this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me in a restaurant because I was put in a position where there's no consequences. <laughs> Which is like everyone's fucking dream. <laughs> yes. And I got to learn a lot about myself when I was put in a position where there's no consequences. So. Oh, so for people who, so you told this story last week or you teased, teased the story week. last so I'll week. Tea, I'll, I'll, I'll tee it up again. Okay. So. When I worked at TGI Fridays, it was in the Merchandise Mart in Chicago, which was a big office plaza that uh, did not have enough sustainability for the restaurant to keep it open. So therefore, on a Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock, we were closed forever. And once management let it know, let it be known that that restaurant was going to close, rats started abandoning the ship as quickly as possible, metaphorically speaking. Oh. <laughs> yeah, just everybody started quitting because it's... Fuck it, you got to find another I gotta, job. I got to find another job. So I'm not going to waste my time at this place that is finite. However, I didn't, <laughs> for whatever reason, didn't. And I ended up being the last waiter in the last section on the last day of a TGI Fridays. And at 3.45... I am sat with a man in his late 30s, early 40s, and his elderly mother. We have a nice exchange at first, and they say, we need a minute before we decide our drinks. I say, that's great. I got plenty of time. This (laughs) restaurant's empty, except for the two of you. Within two minutes, there's the weirdest thing where three more tables come in like this, And they are sat very quickly after this man and his elderly mother. So I am essentially quadruple sat with no waiters, no other support, bartenders in the back. The manager, I think, is in the back stealing things. Of course. (laughs) So I'm just stuck up front, quadruple sat. And I am trying because my work ethic is strong. I made sure that I'm going to each table and I'm greeting everyone. I'm doing all the things, but I am just so overwhelmed by being sat with four tables at once. Now, I don't leave this section for a while. And when I finally get back to the man and his elderly mother, they're pissed because they've been waiting for a while. They just needed a minute. And now I've been gone for a while. However, they haven't seen me leave this section the whole time. And I'm hot at this point. I'm just so overwhelmed. And then this guy, Kevin Standing, gives me an attitude. He says something that I don't remember what it was. I think I blocked it out. <laughs> Your rage blackout. <laughs> but what I do remember is how it made me feel. 
So in a Maya Angelou type way of how he made me feel, <laughs> I was so furious at the way he talked to me. He said something that really got me. Now I'm being redundant, but I'm building to this. So I looked at him, furious, and made eye contact and said, fine, what do you want? He told me his order. He told me his elderly mother's order. And I said, fine, thank you, not breaking eye contact this entire time. So then I reached down, pick up his menus, and without breaking contact, I just whip it across the restaurant and then walk back into the back kitchen. Now, when the adrenaline drops... And then now you're just the guy who threw a menu. (laughs) And keep in mind, I've got three other tables I have to attend to as well. Who saw that? Definitely saw saw it. it. (laughs) And also, I'm also at the point where I need this 20 bucks. Like, I can't not do this. Like, I I don't have a job after this. So you can't walk out. I can't walk out. So I'm immediately, as I get back to the kitchen, adrenaline's gone. And then what did I just do? (laughs) So I have to go to the manager who is stealing things. (laughs) And I say to him, so a customer may complain that I threw their menu across the restaurant. So I'm going to kind of need your help right now. So he comes out and then he makes me do the thing. No, no. That I will never forget. Kevin. Where I had to apologize to him. After he was a dick to you. I did not give a proportional response <laughs> to him yelling or him being attitudinal with me. Kevin's still standing. <laughs> so I had to stand in front of him and say a no, sentence no, Kevin. that I've never said no, before or, or since. since. I'm really sorry I threw your menu across the restaurant. <laughs> the most specific apology of all time. All time. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god. Wait, so what does he say? What did he say when you did it? Was he like, what the fuck just happened? I just walked away because I threw it, made eye contact, gave like a little nod, like a fuck you nod, and then walked away. But you didn't throw it at him or any other human. No, 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 no. Oh, I was not good in my description. So the way that TGI Fridays was set up was that it was a long corridor of tables. Ugh. So it was like a, a like little sections of room. So it was like a long yep. corridor. So when I threw it, I threw it down a long corridor, so I went for distance uh, when I threw it. I should have been clear. Ooh, I'm so regretful the way I wasn't okay. clear on that. That's okay. But that's what I did. I threw it down the length of the restaurant. Oh, so shit. it wasn't at anyone. It was simply just... I mean, so why even apologize? <laughs> it, it was, it was a shot across the bow <laughs> that I needed to answer for. Yeah, there was a lot of moving pieces with this. Got it, got it. I may be leaving out pertinent details. Like, these are the, I find it so fascinating, the things we remember, the details we remember, and the things we just forget. Yeah, that's right. But like this, I remember this so vividly. I will never forget the sensation of throwing it and looking back at him. And then I remember vividly walking back and having that, what have I done? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so you apologize. Does that table tip you? No. Of course not. No. Of course not. No, who else doesn't? Any of the other The other three. Are you shitting? Well, because they saw an elderly person and they probably thought, I don't know. Well, they also saw uh, an unstable waiter. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, but maybe you needed, you know. I needed a release. (laughs) You did. Okay. Uh, Well, that segues into the next. Oh, were you about to tell more? No, 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 that segues. That segues into the next question. Did anyone ever ask to speak with your manager at any of these jobs? Yes. Okay, when? Besides that, we already heard that story. Of course. (laughs) Second City Box Office. Oh, no. Yes. Wait, why? Well. It's buying tickets for a show. I know. That sounds simple. Oh, God. All right, the way it works is the box office and the staff that seats you are different entities. The tickets do not have seat numbers on them. They are basically at the discretion of the house manager who's trying to fit in 340 people into a room and making it that they're sardined in at the most efficient way. So they're in charge of it. So from that point forward, once I hand someone the ticket, my responsibilities are done. However, one night, there was one woman who just did not like the seats she was given. So she came out to the box office to say, hi, we don't like our seats that we're given, and we would like to change them. I said, oh, well, you can talk to the house staff inside. We're separate. We don't do that because they're trying to cram all these people in. So you go talk to them. Okay, thank you. Goes inside, comes back, says, I, well, I don't like them. And they, they said they're not going to move them, so we would like them moved. I said, I have no power over this, but she kept doing it. And I got so frustrated. This was a very long, drawn-out process. Where I think she went away one more time and came back. And on the third time she came to me is when I was just done. Because you're like, I've explained this. I've explained this. To which I said to her, I need you to take your monotone voice and your dead eyes <laughs> and go inside and tell them you want to change it. But I can't do it. To which she responded, I don't have dead eyes. (laughs) Now, in the repeating pattern of my customer service life is that I'll do something drastic Mm. and then have immediate remorse and shame and run to my manager to give them a specific. So a woman might complain that I said she had a monotone voice and dead eyes. So I just want to give you a heads up early. Well, look, you pointed out the truth. So a woman might complain you pointed out the facts. I mean, it was a little <laughs> it was a little beyond the pale, uh, I think. But it was accurate, but unnecessary. Sure, it happens. But I find it funny, as I was looking at this and I was preparing for this, I was finding out that, huh, I found that I ran to managers a lot to preemptively get Tell ahead of something. Tell on yourself, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you say that to the, box, or to the manager, and then what happened? Did she eventually ask to speak with the manager? So, because it sounds like you're the only one that's telling the manager about you. I think I cut her off the pass. I think because he went up and t- or she or whomever well, the manager went up and talked to that human. Yeah, I went up to the to the the acting producer to make sure, uh, he, like he was the main producer there, but I, like he was the first one I went to just to let him know because like, hey man, so consider me for one of the positions I've been trying for my whole life. <laughs> I'm making fun of the guests. I'm making fun really of the guests. Oh, I was really clever. I mean, come on, monotone <laughs> voice and dead eyes—that's solid. So yeah, I don't remember all the specifics following okay. that. I just remember the the event. The remorse. <laughs> the shame. The shame. <laughs> and okay. the innate cleverness. I mean, that's real. I mean. Okay, so you are the so you talked to the manager about you. Has a, a Yelp review, this may have been sort of Wait, before um, your time. Yeah. Okay, all right, you didn't have to deal with that. Even with like Second City with teaching and stuff, did they ever talk to you guys about, because I know that like there was Yelp for when you were teaching at Second City Hollywood. Did they ever talk to you guys about that? I mean, I don't even know what the rating would have been, but. I don't know, I never. Never got complaints. Never got anything that would 
warrant a call to the office to tell you me. didn't so no. you no know parents ever called or no students were ever like kevin hurt my feelings or whatever it's just not your way no okay. no i mean i had other things i had to deal with like what students who became a little bit too enamored oh interesting maybe a little bit and then had to like like romantically enamored or enamored with your leadership or the like they thought they saw you as the conduit for the next job they were going to get the first one here is the only downside to telling personal stories well on stage. People think they know you. They know you. Yeah. And they, Comics go through this a lot. They know you a lot. So it yeah. so there was a few times with that where I there were a couple times where I had to like go to the office and nip something in the bud. And be like, hey, I can tell where this is headed. I can tell where this is headed and I would prefer it be dealt with. And so they, were, they would would they in, in, intervene on your behalf? They were pretty good about it. Oh that's great. Yeah. I don't want to push you because I don't want it to yeah, I don't want to make anyone Yeah, there's no know need. who they are. I, I mean and and I'm not, it's not just one. I mean, so it's... All right, Kevin. Now we're bragging. It's like a Now we're bragging. Okay. <sighs> Kevin's a walking sex god, and he can't get through a day without women just clamoring. All right, Kevin. Look, I'll say this. When you have the raw sexuality of a jungle cat, <laughs> right, well, sometimes... Let's move it. Let's move it. Should, we should probably move on. Yeah, okay. I feel um, it, too. It feels like a, that's a smooth transition out. No, I, I get it. Yeah. Oh, I heard me. I finally... I just heard it. Just heard it. What is the last straw that got you out of any of these jobs? Was there... Besides, obviously, chucking a menu at an elderly human to make her go blind or whatever. Yes. What was it? Was there ever, like, a last straw where you were like, burn it all down. I have to fucking quit right now. As I was thinking about all of this... I started to realize how many tantrums I've thrown. <laughs> In your lifetime or at work? At work. Oh, okay. <laughs> I started to really reflect on the fact I, I had Second City Box Office relied on one system for years. And then one day it was time to change the system completely to the most difficult, mm-hmm. non-user friendly thing possible. And we're on two separate nights. I was so frustrated that I threw tantrums tantrums i'm a grown man at this point i'm a man in my 20s but i am throwing a tantrum like a child and they were so understanding but it was just as i look back i as i was reflecting back that is just behavior that you don't want to think about i mean we've all had that we've all like yeah did you ever cry at work where you were like so frustrated you just like burst out into tears i mean i feel like that's like a a guy would be like, oh, I got it, I got it, and then no. secretly cry in the bathroom. But the, you know. uh, I would never be the aforementioned description. I think I I say this with confidence, pride, and strength. I cry. However, I get more quiver-lipped uh, when it sure. becomes like this type of thing where it's highly emotional. Yeah. But like, I guess the thing that makes me cry is like beauty. Beauty makes me cry. Like... uh, uh West Bentley in American uh, American Beauty when he's talking about the the plastic bag flying around and he's talking about it makes him cry it's so beautiful like that I could relate to so I don't know if I've cried at work but I've had quiver lip like where many you were times about like to. I feel like I'm a little boy who's being scolded scolded yeah. and I just I don't know how to handle it and I that's what I remember most like I would I would totally admit if I had burst sure. in, yeah sure, but I can't think of a time I burst into tears but I remember many times I was emotionally rampaged. That's yeah. relatable. Have you ever told a customer like to piss off a poor, apart from the dead eyed uh, monotone voice woman? Did you ever say to someone like, get out of my face or yes. fuck off? And you did. Oh, tell us. Here's one of the things you're going to ask this later. So I'm going to preemptively answer it. What is something like a n- nice, a manager did for you? Yeah. The nicest thing, uh, uh, like a customer or it can be manager. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I 
I'm very thankful for is that I had a lot of managers who were cool to me mm. and that I was given slack and they listened to me and took my word. Cis white male privilege. Go ahead. <laughs> Kevin's speechless. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. Tell us more about your cool life. <laughs> teasing. I'm, I'm teasing. Are you? <laughs> that's what I, that's what I, are you? Because, I mean, I feel like I got to tread lightly right no, now. No, oh my God, please, I'm no. Kidding. No, you no, don't no, at no, all. No. Uh, <laughs> You're just so used to being privileged. Go ahead. So... <laughs> having no consequences for any of my actions and walking through the world with a free style walk that just makes it an easy go around. It is so nice to be given privileges and accolades. Let's be quite candid. I am really applauded for just mediocrity. Oh my God, tell your story. I'm so sorry. Okay, so you've had cool managers that have had your back. They have had my XY chromosomal <laughs> pale skin I back. I mean, you are a redhead, so you haven't had all the advantages. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> no, let's no. talk about no, that. No, let's not. I opened a door that I regret. Shut it. Okay, so you've had cool managers. That appreciated. Oh, God. God damn it. Improvisers are relentless. Kevin, <laughs> we're running out of time. One time in particular, I was working at Rock Bottom Brewery, and it was a lunchtime shift. It was towards the end of it, so it was a little bit of a lighter crowd in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. There was a group of four people, two men, two women, and uh, one of the women had ordered a salad. Uh, I dropped it off. They were all very happy, and then I hear my name said with some anger and a little bit of vitriol, and I turn around, and one of the women who was very nice at first had suddenly changed and was very angry. And she goes, look in my salad. I said, what? And then inside the salad was a sweet little ladybug. Aw, <gasps> oh, it's a ladybug. It's a ladybug, yeah. Just don't eat it. And it's like finding a unicorn in your yeah, hamburger. Like It's, it's just, not a roach. It's not a roach. Yeah. It's a ladybug. Just don't eat it. Just don't eat it. Oh, it's also, I mean, it came from the earth. Just a little lady. Sure did, and they grow in let. They're in lettuce. Yeah, I mean, they, they really are. Yeah, and they don't. Uh, they're not a sign of filth. No. But she was furious, as if it was a vermin, and she picked it up and put it in my face and said, "Look at that in my salad." And because of her tone and the way she did it, I got all quiver lipped. But I got exact. But I also got take your monotone to dead eyes type attitude, <laughs> where I said, "Don't." ever put that in my face again good i love how you're vicariously feeling good about this that don't ever put that in my face again and then i walked away and went to the manager and said i just said something with you telling yourself too much gavin mckeon well i'm just making sure like (laughs) there's a price with privilege here we go you have to make sure running out of time (laughs) (laughs) so i went to the manager and just said this this woman was, uh, she just handled this terribly. She was rude to me. Yeah, sure. And he bought, he accepted it. Like, okay, ma'am, we'll replace it. Sorry about that. We're so sorry here at Rockbot. Like, it gave yeah. the managerial speech. Speech. Yeah. But didn't get upset with me for the way I handled it because of the way she that's reacted a- to me. That's awesome. He, sh- he did. He handled that well. Yeah. Which, 
makes it seem a little unfair that this started with a white male privilege. Because <laughs> I thought I was just being handled fairly. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, God bless. So she, did she end up, like, did they tip you? Do you remember beyond that exchange, like, the salad was obviously replaced, but, like, yeah. did she do a hey, mea culpa? Sorry, I... No. I, I thought I remember. Not. Once again, it's not. the thing where the memory yeah, stop. stops. I get that. Like, I, I will never forget the ladybug in my face. So I will never forget Tim Cleland's really cool managerial response All to right, it. Tim, Tim Cleland, two, two namer. Two namer. How many bodily fluids have been on your person whilst you've been on the clock? One. Okay. Pee? Uh-uh. Blood? Uh-uh. Spit? Uh-uh. Just, oh, the other? Mm-hmm. Are you joking? And liquefy it. What? Yeah. This is embarrassing. You want to hear oh, it? Oh, no. Did, were you so sick? So going back to the Ponte Vedra Inn and Club where I was a golf cart attendant. Which we hate this job. Hate so this job. Here's the second reason. Here's the main reason I was almost killed by a golf ball and then this one. Oh, no. So Florida sometimes gets huge rainstorms, just torrential downpours. And there was one day that I had eaten something where I just hurt so badly and I needed to go home. However, it was myself and the assistant golf uh, assistant golf pro, and he's not going to pick the range. Uh-uh. That's what a low, lower-level person does. So he made me go pick the range in this torrential downpour because now we're closing the golf course because... It's raining. It's raining. But we can't leave the balls out there, so I can't just go home. So he says, go out there. So I'm wearing my my navy blue short pants, my yellow Ponte Vedra Inn and Club uh, polo shirt, and then I'm wearing a yellow poncho no. to keep me sort of dry. Oh, no. So I go up and I set up all of the range and I start to pick and then it just becomes, I can't do this. And then what was what is normally solid was liquid and it evacuated my body. Because you were sick. I was like sick. You, you were sick. Oh, God. But it's also torrentially raining. Which actually works to your advantage because it's cleaning Very you Very much. Off. Yeah. Because okay. it's, the world is cleaning me. <laughs> during this <laughs> however it's not foolproof because of the poncho so when i walk back no kevin i have streaks on my leg no you poor thing and an indignant attitude to show the i wasn't lying oh oh well i get that so never have i been happier to show someone to have <laughs> shit liquid shit on my leg <laughs> To show that you were mean to me. Oh my God, I'm that way too. Ooh, I'm so wired the same way. So I got to go, I got to put a towel on the driver's seat of my car and drive home poop legged. Wait, did he say to you, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that I didn't believe you or I'm sorry you got sick or whatever? Let's, for the narrative of this, let's make up that he had, he was so apologetic. Oh, and he wasn't? What? I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. All I remember, uh, I got to tell you, it's the main thing I remember. Is shit on my leg. Yeah, I mean, I guess that that's the highlight. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's. Um, uh, I don't want to bury the lead, but that's <laughs> that's the that's the part of the story that really, that really hits stands it. out. Okay. Yeah. Do you tip? All the time. How much? Twenty percent, fifteen. If it's not great. Do you well, ever do you ever not tip, or you ever not going to? The only time I think I've not tipped was recently. Ooh, why? Because. I have one guy who cuts my hair, and he's fantastic. I've never had a hairstylist who's actually put in 10,000 hours because he was a prison barber who just had a turn and burn rate of 
cutting hair. Holy shit. And he's amazing at it. Because he had to do it quickly. Because he had to do it quickly. Because otherwise he gets shanked. volume. Sure. And he's good at it. Wait, I thought prisoners cut each other's hair. Was he in the clink or was he? Yes. <gasps> oh, I love it. Me okay. too. Okay. Me too. I mean, he's got tattoos on his neck and okay. face and like he's, he's <laughs> legit. Drops, he's legit. Okay. But he's so good at his job. I bet. So good. However, I could be wrong. It's one of these things. He was sleep deprived. He was tipsy. Or he had uh, something else, like there was something uh, off about him yeah. that he didn't listen to me in the way that he normally listens. And then I heard the, and then just shaved the back of my head. And I had a, what did you just do? Like, oh, I thought that's what you wanted. Like, oh, we had a terrible miscommunication. Because I bet you get the same cut all the time. All the time. But this time it just, he just cut it like, and now it was like, I mean, to make this topical, it was Jada Pinkett Smith. Chris Rock would have made fun of the back of my head. So oh, like oh. bald, bald. It was like uh, for a redhead when it's cut so short, it's like, oh, look at your scalp. And for people, we have hair, I'm sure people that work in hairdressing, what was the blade cover? Was there, or was it just like bare blade? Oh, it was real, it was short, maybe two, two Jesus. or three. But at the same time, uh, whatever, it was just a miscommunication. Yeah, yeah, sure. But it was the, Oh my god! And now, like he just really had to keep going. He had to keep going. He just raked it where it was. My head has a shape that doesn't support <laughs> not a lot of hair. He's Irish, <laughs> so it just it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't fit look right. right. Doesn't look yeah. right. Yeah, it's the uh, huh. You okay? You okay? <laughs> What's up? Weak chin, no back, no back head. <laughs> so of course you didn't tip him. So uh, yeah, afterwards I just. Have you gone back since? Yes. And has did he acknowledge it? No. Something was up. Something, Something was, was up. up but at the same time, like, I mean, he cut it. I, I love this haircut. And, and you've since tipped him because after that. And I kind of made up for it the oh, next time. Oh, you would. Ugh, what a jerk what ball. What a jerk. Ugh, All right. Ugh, I hate my moral code. <laughs> okay, well, you've already answered the next question of if you've ever been fired. So last question in this section. Can you give us the worst customer you've ever had to deal with and or if you can't think of an incident, the archetype of who the worst customer would be? I got him. Leonis. For whatever reason, it's interesting now as I look back on ages because at the time I was in my 20s, so everybody was older. Mm, sure. But now as I look back, like this guy might have been younger than me now, uh, but he was an elderly, he was an older man and he just took a liking to me. And every time he came in the restaurant by himself, he would request to sit in my section. Bless him. Oh, it gets weird. <laughs> and the reason he liked, one of the reasons he liked me so much at first was that I, the restaurant at the time, the waiters were the bartenders. The bar was open and we had to go back I and make. I hate those situations. Oh, it was it terrible. It takes so much time. It takes so much time and it's also, you're begging people to steal from you. A oh, thousand percent. So. You're bringing everything in? No, you're not. No, you're not. So. He liked a vodka gimlet with three cocktail olive or three cocktail onions every time. That was what he wanted. But because I happened to know that a gimlet is gin and roses lime juice, he was, oh, that's impressive. So he wanted to sit in my section every time. However, as much as this man liked me, he wasn't nice, nice to, to me. You. Oh, what do you do outside of this? Well, I take improv classes. I'm working to be a comedian. He goes, but you're not funny. Jeez. Like that kind of, like that uh, kind of, I like you. you so much, but I'm not going to say nice things that's to right. you. That's right. That's right. And it's the, why is everyone wasting 
each other's time. So I think that was the worst one where it was just the, I think it's just an archetype of person that I also yeah. don't like as well, which is, why are you trying to saddle up to me, but... But also be mean. But also be mean. Yeah. Saddle up to me if you're going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so that was one. That was the main one. Like that, that... No, I, that, that I get that. Yeah. Because it's the overly friendly sort of, yeah, and then I'm going to use information against you kind of person. Okay. Yeah. You have Is that it? Oh, I also forgot one thing about the Ponte Vedra Club of being a golf cart attendant. Yeah. I have red hair and low melanin. Yeah, so you it's were a, burnt all the time. My hands got so burned that they bubbled one time and I had oh, to wear bandages. That's legit sun poisoning. Oh, I, yeah, not to be a downer, but at one point uh, I had what is known as a squamous cell carcinoma mm-hmm. on my hand that was... Directly as a result of that? I imagine it had was been. that it played a role because one of the things I learned... Uh, with, I found a way to turn this to skin cancer. One of the things <laughs> I found was that a lot of it is sunburns you yep. had before 18. Correct. And that was the, terrifying. what? It's, it's terrifying. terrifying. Yeah, I know. I think about that and I'm like, cool, I'm due. So that's why I thought like that's probably a direct correlation. So that also adds to my list of why that was my least favorite. I get it. Because it almost, literally almost killed you twice. Eh, I wouldn't say it killed me. Would have Almost. Uh, the golf ball, Yes. I don't the, know. People die of skin cancer. Well, yours it wasn't cancer. It was like the pre well, it, well, scar. It was, scar. It oh, was it but it was easily like we got it in one. You're not going to die from swoop. it. I'm just. I'm trying to be dramatic, Kevin. You're not helping. All right. Well, here's the joke. Well, no. Oh no, no. do it because this is. We have nine minutes left. You, hurry up. Well, I mean, it was just so. Like I had such a discount version <laughs> of that. Like it's. <laughs> Like, I can never say, like, oh, I'm a cancer survivor. Like, that's the most ridiculous thing because it wasn't. I mean, you are technically. I know I am technically. Yeah. However. This is what you do, though. You try it. I'm going to say something off the mic to you and shame you. We're not going to do it on the mic. We're going to move on to the good stuff. We're going positive. Okay. We hope you saved room for dessert, folks. We've made it. Okay. What is the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were working? I had trouble with this one. There are many of them because I was also bleeding into other jobs I've had because a lot of the stuff that I really vividly hold dear are stuff people tell me about stories. People will do nice things because of things they've heard in stories like that or because I've taught them uh, will do wonderful things for me and help me out in certain ways. But I couldn't think of like within the jobs that we listed within this. Got it. I have nothing that comes to mind that stands upon the top of the heap. And it tends to be the hardest question for people, which yeah. is something to note, folks. Okay, well, can you think of the best tip you ever got when you were working a tipped position? Yes, kind of. Because I remember just the day, but not the amount. So at Rock Bottom Brewery, in the bar section, there was the restaurant side and the bar side. And on the bar side, there was a room that was devoted to, I think it was, I'm going to make this number up, but it's pretty close, nine pool tables. It was a whole section, and one person was assigned the pool room. When I first started working there, there was a term that they used that was part of their corporate business model where they took a French word called lagnap and made it their business model. And lagnap is a French word that means a little something extra, going above and beyond. So a lot of the things that they the thing that they did when I first started working there was they gave us carte blanche to take things off bills what now rock bottom brewery was a brewery and they did it on site and to make a glass of beer was nine cents per glass per 16 ounces all told with everything nine cents 
They sold it for three seventy five. This is uh, late nineties, early two thousand dollars. They sold it for three seventy five. So it's just all profit. All of it. So they basically gave us the you you can use this as a bar like it's a thing that you can take that off because we're not losing any money whatsoever if we give away this liquid. So many waiters used it to their advantage. I imagine. And they eventually got rid of this. I would very imagine. Dumb <laughs> corporate thing. But I remember one day in the pool room, there was just these cool people. And one of the things for the Lanyap was, hey, be friends with these people. Play pool with them. You can do whatever you want. Just like you're supposed to make this oh, restaurant God. the coolest place to be. Smart. Yeah. Except for yeah, the, yeah. giving everybody manager yeah. keys. Stupid. Stupid. But smart in that sense of just make it a cool environment. Mm-hmm. So it was a very cool environment for these uh, three guys. And because they were just so cool and they're the only ones in there, I was able to take off a lot of their nine cent beers. <laughs> they were so thrilled at this and so tipsy from this. And I don't know if it was on purpose, if it was accidental, if they didn't realize there was a second zero on the bill they gave me. But when they left me a hundo, I had a, I didn't deserve it, but I wouldn't deny it. There you go. Well done. So you got a hundred bucks from them. Good. Yeah, that, they like, meant that it. Was a, like, I don't remember the exact circle. Like, yeah, all yeah. That, like, I remember that being a shock. And it stood out. And it's, that was, you know, not that, that was not last week. You know, leaving a hundred dollars in the early 2000s, that's a lot of money. Yeah. It's like so, $6,000 now or whatever. I don't know where we're at. I think it's 7200 Yeah. Uh, inflation. Yeah. There we go. So two more questions in this section. Okay. What is the best lesson that you personally have learned from working in customer service? I think it involves the behind the scenes element where it's we're all in this together. Mm. So even if there's separate sections, like I said before, with make friends with the cooks, I have the make friends with everyone who's on the same team as opposed to working against each other with certain things. Yes. Like the waiters who were dicks to the food runners and all that. Like it's... I don't get it either. I don't get it either. Also, the busters. Like, it's anyone that's going to help you out. Yeah. They will if you deserve it. That's right. So that's the biggest thing I would say is just, yeah, make sure to work as a team, even though you feel like you're an individual server or whatever your job is. Like, there's other moving pieces. You're not an island. I get it. And final question. Yes. What is one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? That you're going to kill more flies with honey than mm. with vinegar. Come on. I totally agree with that, Kevin. That's true. It's true. I found that every time someone was just cool to me, I would bend over backwards for them. Yes. But if someone was adamantly dickish, then I had no interest in any way going above and beyond. That's right. Yeah. Easy enough. Well, Kevin, uh, is there anything else you you looked at your notes? I just don't want to I don't want to cut you off. We have a couple uh, The only other thing I had written down, and this is the last one, is that Customers and customer services, because uh, Ithamar said this, and I remember when he said this, uh, like, this is the answer that most people give, which is they treat people like they're actual human beings. Yeah. One time I was working at the Second City box office, but at the time, uh, I was friends enough with and liked enough by the main stage cast that I would be invited up to do the improv set after yeah. my shift. And it wasn't all the time, but it was enough that it was like the coolest thing in the world for someone who's vying for that, that I'm getting to play in a major league game and I'm still... JV. Uh, yeah. So I do my shift and I go out. Remember, this was so embarrassing and it affected the entire thing. I wa- I'm introduced, and I remember this vividly, uh, the woman who was introducing me 
as opposed to saying anything that uh, of note, like he doesn't, she just said, he's a friend of the second city. And the intro is a big deal yeah, because they have fallen in love with those six people of the last two hours. And now a guest is being introduced. So your intro plays a lot into it. So a friend of the second city. And sounds I, like charity. Sounds like charity. So when I come out, this guy drunkenly yells, hey, that guy sold me tickets. And that made everybody laugh because I had also sold all of them tickets. tickets. And then it just diminished everything immediately. And I remember that being a terrible set that I was in just because I was now self-conscious because yeah, I, I can't recover yeah. from that. No, you can't. Uh, of course, there's thousands of shows like that I've done. So it's like, but I remember that so vividly as I couldn't recover. Yeah. So point being, it's that just because someone's job is something that's not defining them as a person. Mm, that's right. But it's easy to get caught in that on that's either right. side. Like I. That's right. Yeah. We all do it. Yeah, we all do it. So just that, I remember that vividly as one of those things of just don't see that person as only that job. As only that doing. job. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Well, Kevin, this was lovely. Two weeks of your time. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, how can people get in touch with you? What's the storytelling trajectory for you? How can people get eyes on you? We mentioned in the first episode that there's a YouTube channel that has your moth stories on it. But can you give people access to all that stuff right now? Of course. My name is Kevin McGeehan, M-C-G-E-E-H-A-N. If you go to YouTube and type in my name and moth, a ton of stuff is going to come up. The ones I would recommend on my YouTube channel, yeah, there's one called The Overhugger and The Four-Year Coincidence. Okay. Uh, would be the ones I'd highly recommend just listening to first, because if and then if you like those, then you can listen to the others. Also, It Matters a Great Deal is another one to listen to. But point being, that YouTube channel is the main thing that I have that I like pointing people to because... That to me is the work that I am most proud of. Perfect. And then do you want people to find you on socials or would you rather remain a little? Uh, they can find me on any of the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, okay, and Twitter. I'm just Kevin McGeehan. Twitter, uh, I will not engage in the conversation, but well I will lurk on the outside and uh, listen to everybody else You're one talk. of those people. Okay, Kevin. Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here directly at Service from Hell, send us your receipts to servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much, Sirius, for putting us on. We are on the She's So Funny channel 771 where you are listening right now. And remember, folks, if you can't afford a tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thanks, Kevin. This was really lovely. So much of your time. You Gems all over the place. He prepared, folks. Can't you tell a difference when they prepare? All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Good night.